0: Okay. i will try it again now that we're ready. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Good morning. Okay. Actually, these are actually the lessons. Would you mind to pass these out? They're not folded yet, but gotta work a little bit for your handout this morning. Might have to fold it. So uh, obviously my uh, my dad is out of town this morning, so what actually you get me instead. And Unfortunately for you, but what we're actually going to be looking at this morning is we're just going to be continuing our study that we've been doing on Sunday evenings on um, the name of the study is called salt and light and it's about it's a study of biblical metaphors here for for the Christian life. We've been looking at um, things such as salt and light literally Uh, things such as a soldier being a runner. In the Christian race, a student of God's word, a disciple of Christ. And then the lesson um, actually for this morning is about being a friend to others. So It's been a, it's been a really good study we've been doing on Sunday evenings, so I um, encourage you to, to make it for those. We've got a couple more um, in this book here, and then we'll be jumping to, to another study, um, which both of the other ones are going to be good as well. And since we don't have, uh, we have early afternoon as well with close to home, another pastor just asked me to do the, the lesson that normally would be tonight for this morning. So this is lesson 11 on a friend to others. Now the text verse for, for this is actually John 15, verse 13. Before we go into that, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I do thank you for the opportunity to be able to be in your house this morning and um, to be able to look at this study and just please be with me and just um, speak through me the words that you would have um, to your church this morning. And help us to be able to stay attentive and uh, focused and alert. Uh, pray for the other Sunday schools um, going on as well. Let's be with the teachers in that as well. And help us to, that we can glean something from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The text verse, John fifteen thirteen, is, Greater love hath no man than this that he that a man lay down his life for his friends and again that's the lord jesus christ speaking in that verse now god has allowed us to build relationships with others to sharpen encourage and then challenge one another to walk closer to him and to fulfill his purpose for our lives we should wisely use the influence that we have one we have more than we realize Go ahead, Pastor. Think, uh, there. Are there several stuff different stuff. ones in there? There might have been a couple extras in there. I've got 13. Okay. Who all got a Lesson 11? Me? That's skipping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so there's on the recording. A little confusion here with the handouts, but we got it here. We're on Lesson 11, a friend to others. Anybody else need one? Everybody else good? No worries.. I'll let you sort all that out. <laughs> <laughs> we should wisely use the influence that we have, one, because it's bigger than we think, and however small it may actually be, to be a godly friend to others. So the theme we kind of want to look at um, this morning is, a true friend is a precious treasure, and we have the opportunity to be that friend to others. Christ himself is, of course, our greatest and most faithful friend that we have. And when we extend his love to others, then we can help them grow in their relationship with the Lord. So some objectives for the lesson um, this morning is, firstly, um, that we should be looking for ways to encourage and then edify. We'll look at that word in more detail in the lesson here. To edify our friends to accomplish God's purpose for their lives. That's one. And two would be to commit to being faithful to those friends that we have, even during times of difficulty and discouragement or when faithfulness requires rebuke. And then third, also, this is an important part of it, is that we need to offer forgiveness to those who have wronged us. So let's jump right into the lesson here Again, we've already looked at the text verse um, in John 15 13 there you know when we talk about young people and then training our kids and stuff like that you now we often emphasize the need to avoid the wrong crowd right you know like in Psalm 1 you know, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly stand in the way of sinners that kind of thing but because we know the power of a friend's influence but there's also the converse of that that our closest friends should be the ones that are very wisely chosen who will sharpen us spiritually. But we also have to be conscious of our influence that we have on our friends. Are we the right kind of friends? So the main point here, getting into the point number one, a friend is something and something. Both of these start with an E. They're kind of longerish words. A friend is something and something. Quite everything. Encouraging is one of them. Yes. It's actually the first. Encouraging is the first. Encouraging and edifying. That is correct. Yep. A friend is encouraging and edifying. That's point number 1. Here's some just some statements here. Kind of some Opposites, if you think about it, of what a true friend is. A true friend will lift you up, not tear you down. A friend will help, not hurt. They will encourage, not discourage. They will edify, not diminish. Granted, it's not all roses and buttercups all the time, which we'll get to some of that later, but that is true statements of what a true friend really is in essence a true friend will help you become more of what you need to be rather than pulling you down in the wrong direction so subpoint a you can uh if you got the main point you probably can guess this one it starts with an e encouraging, encouraging. yep encouraging the word encourage means... Well, actually, before I even say that, what's, what does encourage mean to you? What's that word mean to you? Someone... Go ahead, John. I think of um, like uplifting or uh, almost lifting somebody up uh, positive. Give strength. Give any other. help build your faith. Help build your faith. This is um, according to uh, the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, the third edition of 1992, by the way. The word "encourage" means to inspire with hope, courage, or confidence. To hearten. Now we've all had low times in our lives when we needed. Encouragement and inspiration, and just just a reason to keep going. Sometimes you get sometimes you can get to the point of like, don't feel like there's any reason to keep doing what you're doing. You know, others need encouragement from us, conversely as well. How can we be a friend who encourages? It's interesting. If you've kind of caught a little bit in the lesson, it talks about what you need but then it also focuses on you being that to other people and that's kind of it kind of flips it a little bit instead of like you know you looking for this in other people it's a lot of you being what you need to be to other people so think about it that way and with in this morning now one of the greatest tools to build up others is encouraging words the bible talks a lot about that in proverbs um 25.11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Proverbs 15.23 underscores that again when it says, a word spoken in due season, how good is it? Exclamation point at that. An encouraging word from a friend can make a difference, a huge difference. An illustration here, um, a young freshman-to-be arrived at college having traveled a long way from home. In his assigned room, he saw that all his roommates had all checked in and every bed had already been cleaned, leaving just a small couch. Feeling exhausted and excluded, he was ready to turn around and go home. Just then, one of his roommates, an upperclassman, came in and introduced himself. Recognizing the dilemma of the poor, forlorn freshman, the upperclassman offered his friendship and his mom. The freshman not only stayed, he eventually graduated, And more than 30 years later, he's still serving God. The course of a life may have been changed by just a word of encouragement. Even more importantly, one word of encouragement early in life enabled him to encourage others many years later. There's no names given in that, so I don't know if that's the author speaking about himself, potentially. I don't know. Wouldn't you like to be the one who takes the time to encourage someone else? today. Everybody wants to be encouraged themselves, but you be the one to encourage somebody else. It could make a big difference in somebody's life, and you have no idea how much. The Bible records several instances when people, even godly leaders, needed encouragement in their lives. Think of Moses. In a battle between Israel and Amalek, God used the support of Moses' friends to and his uh, helpers around him to make the difference. Uh, Exodus 17, 9 to 12. Those should be the first first ones in the lesson there. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go fight with Amalek.
1: Tomorrow I will, I will stand on the
0: top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Anybody? So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, fought. Moses and Aaron her went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass that Moses held up his hand of Israel for veil, and when he had let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat there on, and Aaron and her stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until were going down to the sun. As the battle raged, you know, Moses wearied as he held up his hands. I and mean, you can imagine, held up your hands. Held up your hands, yeah, not held up your head over your hands. You should be doing that all the time. Held up your hands <laughs> over your head. you got to get tired after not too long, especially if you're holding like a rod or something like that. He got tired. As he held up his hands to invoke the blessing of God in their situation, and then Aaron and her were stayed up his hand, literally stayed them up, supporting him. And then the Bible says, because of that, his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. His friends encouraged him with their support. Think of David. David needed encouragement. There was a, a number a, a time of several years. Don't specifically know exactly how long, where the king happened to be his father-in-law, was trying to kill him and determined to wipe out the competition there for the throne. David was running for his life for a number of years after he'd already been told that he's going to be king. But Jonathan, Saul's firstborn son, says he loved David as his own soul. In 1 Samuel 18, 1, Jonathan had the right to be the next king per his father was king. But he decided he was going to be a friend to David. In 1 Samuel twenty three sixteen, this is actually when David's on the run, a time when David's on the run. Jonathan actually came to him and strengthened his hand in God, is what it says, and also encouraged him, basically saying, I know you're going to be the next king. My father knows you're going to be the next king. He kind of like submitted himself to that. That was, definitely took some humbleness on his part to do that but with the point of the lesson, he went and encouraged him. Now, many times there's no better gift you can give to anybody than encouragement to strengthen their hands in God. And then of another biblical example here, think of the disciples. The disciples needed encouragement. They experienced a very wide gamut of emotions as they followed Christ during during his ministry there. You know, Jesus often used his words to encourage them in faithfulness and in God's faithfulness and love for them. Uh, John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Luke 12, 6 to 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than Matthew 7, 7-8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and find to him that and knocketh, and it shall be opened. Think about this, obviously. This is kind of an interesting statement, but you know, Jesus needs an encouragement, too. Think about hours before the cross, as he agonized in prayer in Gethsemane. You know, he prayed so earnestly that you know, his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground in Luke 22. And it was then it stated there that there appeared unto him there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. See that recorded in Luke's gospel in Luke 22. We should determine to be a friend. Who's an encourager? Look for those who may need your encouragement, and speak up with an encouraging word to someone. Again, think about what that verse in Proverbs: "He that hath friends must show himself friendly." Probably some of the best ways to be encouraged ourselves is to encourage somebody else. Subpoint so B: you Probably can guess what this one is. Okay. Bonus points. Edifying. So what does edify mean? Get an English lesson here. It's the idea of edify, what is it? Okay. Build up. Any other synonyms? The word edify means to like to instruct, especially so as to encourage intellectual, moral, or spiritual improvement. Basically, to instruct for improvement there. Think of the word edify, comes from a Latin word meaning to build on that. Think of the word edifice, the idea of a building, a similar type thing. Edify, idea of building up. We need to allow God to use us to build our friends into what He would have them to be and help them in their intellectual, moral, and spiritual growth. Illustration here, William Wilberforce was one of the most prominent figures in English history. He fought for the abolition of the slave trade in the British Empire for 20 years. His abolition bill was defeated time after time, often by narrow margins and sometimes by dirty political tricks. His lifelong friend, a guy by the name of John Newton, a former slave trader who'd become a bold Christian, of course, he wrote the very obscure, unfamiliar song called Amazing Grace. <laughs> said that facetiously. He gave words of edification to Wilberforce during a time when he was in great despair and discouragement. Newton reminded Wilberforce of the story of Daniel, who was a public figure like Wilberforce, who trusted in God, was faithful to his duty, and saw God deliver him from his enemies. The God whom you serve continually, Newton told him, quoting King Darius' words to Daniel in the lion's den, is able to preserve and deliver you. He will see you through. Not only did Newton succeed in encouraging his friend, but he edified him by sharing the word of God with him and helping him to grow in his faith. The book of Esther in Scripture is a thrilling account of God's sovereignty to care for his people. And of course, the, the courage that was displayed by, by several folks there. You know, after Haman tricked the king you know, into ordering the destruction of the Jews, you know, God used you know, Esther to turn the king's heart to then reverse that sentence, allowing the Jews to then turn on their enemies and destroy them, including Haman. You know, Esther's bravery might never have been shown had it not been for her older cousin Mordecai. It's words of encouragement and edification to her. Esther four thirteen to fourteen. Then Mordecai I commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt speak in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether hold thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. When Esther thought the task before her was impossible, Mordecai pointed her to a great spiritual principle, the great pr- purpose of God in bringing her to that place for that time. There, A godly friend has the power to increase the effectiveness of another Through words of edification. Proverbs 27:17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Sharpening a knife or a saw increases its effectiveness. One of the best things you can do for a friend to help him do for a friend is to help him become a better person. Intellectually, morally, spiritually, you name it. Proverbs 27:9. Up the of friend by Christ consistently edified his disciples through his example, his words, and his works. His purpose was for them to carry on the work of God and the power of the Holy Spirit after he ascended to his Father. His goal always was for them to grow. 2 Peter 3.18 admonishes us to grow in grace. This is no Peter speaking there and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A true friend will do whatever he can to assist in that growth process. Do your friends help you grow? Are you a friend that helps others grow? So on to sub, uh, not sub point, main point too. We had a friend talks about encouraging and edifying. And then here, a friend goes the, two words. Extra line. Last word is correct. There's an S, is the first word. Second. second. A friend goes the second mile. Friendship goes beyond the call of duty and volunteers for unrequired service. We call this going the second mile. We kind of looked at this last week, you know, talking about being a servant and the way, because it talks about. A servant who just does what he's supposed to do talks about the Bible, talks about it as unprofitable. So how do we become profitable? By going the extra mile. Enthusiastic obedience So, similar here. Friendship goes beyond that and then does unrequired service. In Matthew 5.41, Jesus said, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Where that comes from there. In other words, go beyond what is expected. Do more than just what is required. And I think that specific context, what he's talking about there, is you no know, Romans could legally make a Jew carry something for a mile. He's like, go too. Um, here's an interesting note um, from Barnes' New Testament notes. The word here that's translated compel is actually of Persian origin. And post offices were then unknown and in order that the royal commands might be delivered with safety and dispatched in different parts of the empire, Cyrus stationed horsemen at proper intervals on all the great public highways. One of those those delivered the message to another, and intelligence was thus rapidly and safely communicated around that way. These heralds were permitted to compel any person or to press any horse, boat, ship, or other vehicle into service that they might need for the quick transmission of the king's commandments. It was to this custom that you know, the Savior was referring to at that point. Rather, says he, than resist a public authority requiring your attendance and aid for a certain distance, go peaceably twice, is what he's talking about. The idea of unrequired service. So subpoint A talk about a friend that goes the second mile, fills, starts with an N, it's a short word. Fills, fills needs, yep, fills needs. Friendship and love are not just feelings, but a willingness to meet others' needs. There's a, a number of Bible examples of people who met other people's needs. Think of the Good Samaritan. He met his neighbor's needs. Uh, of course, we know this, you know the story. You know, man was robbed, beaten, and left for dead. And then there was a priest that came by, right? And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Poor guy, he may have said to himself. That's what happens when you hang around the wrong kind of people. Then a Levite came along looked on him, and passed by on the other side. Poor guy, he may have said to himself, he looks unclean with all that blood on him. I hope somebody comes along and takes care of him. We don't know really what was going on in their minds, but the Bible says that they saw the man in need, avoided him, and kept on their way. And later, a Samaritan passed by, and the Bible says that, this is a quote here from Luke 10, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. The priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan all saw the man in need, but only the Samaritan actually fulfilled the needs of the wounded man. Does anybody know what, is anything ironic about that? Uh, the, Samaritan was the, the Samaritan could have spent all his time dwelling on the injustice and indiscrimination that he encountered in his life, but he didn't. The Samaritan probably didn't even know that wounded man But truly he was a friend to him. I think again, kind of getting back to Jonathan again here. We kind of looked at him before in 1 Samuel 20, but Jonathan was King Saul's son, the next in line, for the throne. But yet Jonathan knew that God had chosen David to replace Saul as king. And Jonathan loved David. When Saul attempted to kill him, Jonathan risked his own life. He actually got javelin thrown at him by his own father in that situation. He risked his own life to warn David of the danger and help him escape. And then, of course, Christ himself, with the idea of meeting needs. The best friend we have is Christ. He meets our every need, physical, emotional, spiritual. There's a song written by Joseph Scriven, who so aptly wrote, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Jesus. To be a second mile friend, we need to look for the needs of our friends and do whatever we can to fill them, even before we're asked. How far are you willing to go in meeting the needs of your friends? Subpoint so B we have fills uh, needs and then starts with a P, one word. Praise. Uh, praise. We definitely need a lot of this in our lives. Patience, patient, patient. A second mile friend is long-suffering. He's patient, persevering, and doesn't give up. Think of Jesus again. With all the patience and long-suffering that he exhibited toward his disciples, (laughs) time and time again, they disappointed him with their stubbornness, their ignorance, and their lack of faith. And he rebuked them, but he never gave up on them. And how patient then is, he is with us, especially with me. <laughs> we all have great need of his patience. First John 1 9 promises that as long as we keep confessing our sin, he keeps forgiving. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lamentations 322 records a very brilliant promise of the Lord's patience. It says it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because his compassion's Fail not. Like a potter who patiently shapes and then reshapes the clay, the Lord's patient in his dealings with us. Isaiah 64, 8. Has but now, O Lord, thou art our Father, we are the clay, and thou art, and thou art our potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. Jeremiah 18, one six. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there, will, there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he brought to work on the wheels. And the vessel that he had made of clay was married in the hands of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, and it seemed good to the potter, to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, save the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. The potter had a purpose in mind for the clay, and though the clay was not always cooperative, the potter didn't throw it away. One outstanding characteristic of a workman, artist, or craftsman is patience. It takes much time and painstaking effort to make something that's truly worthwhile and valuable. The artist, Michelangelo, worked for four years to paint the frescoes on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. The mighty sculptures on Mount Rushmore were carved over a period of 14 years and the Washington Monument was finally completed some 36 years after construction began. How foolish it would have been for the financiers or the workmen on these projects to give up after just a couple years. Today, these works of art are a testimony to the patience required in their design and construction. Our own lives, as well, are a testimony to God's patience with us. He's working in each of our lives individually and specifically. When we begin to feel frustrated with our friends, we must remember God's patience toward us. All of us could wear the plea I read on a bumper sticker, be patient, God hasn't finished with me yet. All of us are still under construction. You could be the friend that has the patience to encourage another to greater growth. So point three a friend is, it starts with an F. A friend is faithful. faithful. They don't ever think it. A friend is faithful. A friend is an incredible gift. To be a faithful friend is an incredible task. Proverbs 17 17. Is that on your sheet there? Friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. In times of prosperity or poverty, in times of joy or sorrow, either one, in times of health or illness, a true friend will remain faithful. Proverbs 27, 10. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. Sylvanus is a biblical example of a biblical, of a faithful friend. Peter even specifically referred to him as a, faith, a faithful brother unto you in 1 Peter 5. The name Silvanus is the long form of the name Silas. Quite possibly this same man who was then in prison with Paul at Philippi. Certainly Silas was a faithful friend, willing to share Paul's persecution and shame for preaching the gospel. They shared in troubles in that situation, specifically a public whipping and imprisonment. But they also shared in the miraculous deliverance of God. What would Silas have missed if he hadn't been faithful to his friend? We've already seen David and Jonathan's friendship in relation to encouragement and meeting needs, but um, but kind of, was kind of look at their incredible faithfulness that they demonstrated then toward each other. Right up to the end of their lives. Jonathan was David's friend, even when it cost him the favor of his own father and the throne. He remained faithful and loyal until the end of his life when he would die on the battlefield. David consistently honored Jonathan's memory, and after Jonathan's death, he would then care for his son. Anybody remember who that was? David. the chef? Yep. David and Jonathan's reunion in heaven has probably been something pretty special. Sometimes faithfulness involves being willing to rebuke a friend for his own good. Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend because of an enemy are deceitful. If your friend is headed in the wrong direction, a direction contrary to God, again, it's contrary to God, not your opinion necessarily, <laughs> we ought to do what is necessary to help him back on the right path. It may not be pleasant to faithfully, honestly, and lovingly confront another, but the rewards are tremendous later. When David committed adultery and murder, the prophet Nathan courageously confronted him with his sin, and God used then the faithfulness of Nathan to bring David to repentance and restoration. Later, David would name a son, Nathan, perhaps after his friend. The last point this morning is a friend is, starts with an F as well. What was that? Forgiving. forgiving. Yes, that is correct. We had, we got like the, the edif- encouraging and edifying, that going the second mile, filling needs, or a friend faithful, and then a friend is forgiving. Who hasn't needed forgiveness? His friends. We so easily wound our friends with thoughtless words or careless deeds, and we appreciate it when our friends extend forgiveness to us. We need to learn to also demonstrate a forgiving spirit to others. Our Lord Jesus Christ, and then Peter just died, is the greatest example of forgiving his friends. During his darkest hour his disciples all forsook him and fled. Peter would then, further than that, deny him three times with um, increasing indignation each time. And then only John is mentioned as being present at the cross. But witness, think about it, what Jesus said when he appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. He said to them, "Peace be unto you." And showed them his hands and his side. It says then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Now he obviously would rebuke them for their unbelief. But they were glad because they knew his mercy had forgiven them. He was even gentle and forgiving with Thomas, who refused to believe at first. Could any of our friends treat us as badly as they treated him? But he still forgave them. In fact, if we insist on being unforgiving and holding grudges, we won't be forgiven ourselves. Uh, Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. Charles Spurgeon had this to say, Very sweet is it to pass by other men's offenses against ourselves, for thus we learn how sweet it is to the Lord to pardon us. Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Until seven times? Now, instead of justifying his unforgiving attitude, Jesus answered, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. No, think of that, 70 times 7, No, basically representing infinity. You Just keep doing it. Even taking that literally, by the time you've done something 490 times, you might as well make it permanent at <laughs> that point. Not only did Jesus forgive his friends, but he also forgave his enemies too. It's not really a focus kind of a lesson this morning. Um, but even as he was on the cross, he prayed for those crucifying him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He wasn't the only one who would pray that about people killing him. Think of Stephen in the book of Acts. Lay not this sin to their charge. Matthew 5, to 48 But I say unto you love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good, and on the good, and sendeth not, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. A friend is forgiving, even to those who don't really deserve it. Do any of us really deserve forgiveness? No. I mean, when we consider the forgiveness that Christ has freely given to us, we see that our we can see our responsibility then to forgive others. You have Ephesians four thirty two, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So in conclusion, no, God has allowed us to build relationships with others to sharpen, encourage, and challenge us to walk closer to Him and fulfill His purposes for our lives. Why We should wisely use the influence that we have in other people, however small we think that it is, to be a godly friend to others. Also, we should place godly influences in our lives by choosing godly friends. Never forget the example of Christ that we have in his word. What a friend we have in Jesus. It's been said about friends, your friends should be who you want to be, not where you are right now. So you choose on that. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I thank you for um, just the lesson this morning. Um, again, we didn't really get to get to the questions um, to review, but um, again, just thinking of what a friend we have in Jesus, and how you encourage and command us to be a friend to others, to, to edify, to encourage, to, to build up, to, to strengthen, um, not for our benefit, but for others' benefits. And please uh, just help us to be looking for ways that we can encourage other people even when we're down, maybe discouraged. That often the best way to get encouraged that if we would just look to encourage others and someone else, Lord. And again, that's definitely goes against our natural, selfish um, hearts, Lord. And I pray that we would be the friends that we need to be to others. Um, course, to our church family and any friends that are um, outside of that. And I ask that you just be with um, Pastor as he um, uh, opens your word shortly. Help us to be attentive to that in the next service. And then, of course, uh, as we get close to home later today, be working in the hearts and lives of people there as your word is opened. In Jesus' name, amen.